deep in the woods are where you're going to find some truly terrifying horror stories. That's what we've definitely learned over the years on this show, if nothing else. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends, and welcome if you're new. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy, and allegedly true, deep woods horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. Joining me today is my good friend Nightmare's Edge. If you haven't heard of their channel before, be sure to check them out. You can find a link to do so in the description. They're rather new to the scene and they narrate scary stories on their channel and I'm sure you'll enjoy them. Now, without further ado, be sure to hit that like button and subscribe if you're new. Sit back, relax, and get ready for some creepy and allegedly true deep woods horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. Hello, Swamp Dweller. My name is Tristan. I'm a female, and when this took place, I was 16 years old. Before we get into this, let me tell you a little bit about myself. I'm incredibly superstitious and incredibly spiritual. I have a long history with the supernatural, starting at a very young age. Well, with that said, let's dive right in. This all took place in late winter on a reservation in northern Nevada, so don't think of cacti and sand when picturing this place. Imagine more mountains, snow, and a lot of sagebrushes. My best friend Courtney had invited my brother, Austin, and myself out to move cattle from one field to another and maybe explore a little bit. Get some roping practice in while we were at it too. So, early on Saturday morning, we hooked up to the trailer, loaded horses, and spent the weekend doing what we loved most. We got out to the ranch at about 6am, got the horses saddled, and ready to go. But my mare seemed incredibly on edge upon our arrival. She's typically pretty even-tempered, although she's got a bad attitude. She'll always do what's asked. We started our morning by moving all the pregnant mamas to a field closer to the barn. It could have gone a lot better, but all of our horses had no interest in being there for some reason, and I would soon find out why. After a rough morning, we decided to get loose and rope. We took eight steers down to the arena, which was quite a ways away, but worth every second. By the time our shoulders were sore, and we had had our fill of throwing ropes, it was one in the afternoon. The arena we were at was about half a mile from a river that just so happened to have an abandoned church with a rather dark past on its other side. The detail will be more important later, but keep it in mind. As I had said before, I'm a very spiritual person, and so is Courtney. Before coming out, we had prepared some stuff for our horses. For my mare and Courtney's, I had taken rosemary, lavender, and made a tea. I soaked strips of yellow ribbon, naturally leaving it overnight, and set it out under a full moon. I also had my salt that I gathered myself in the salt flats of Utah. Charcoal and eggshells ground into a fine powder. I used this to draw protective residuals on my horse, as if the ribbon braided into her mane and tail wasn't enough. Call me paranoid, but I had spent enough time on reservations and the woods to know that spooky things and evil spirits prowl everywhere. I want to clarify, 
We did not do this for Austin's horse. Being the religious individual he is, he told us, there was absolutely no way we were putting any of that witchy mumbo-jumbo on his horse. With the actual work being done and practice finished, we wanted to explore the area. It was a wonderful place with frost-covered trees and practically untouched snow. We wanted to see every inch of it. There was a trail that ran alongside the mountain we thought would be a perfect one to go explore, so we could get an overlook of the area and maybe a few cool pictures for Instagram. You had to go over the river's bridge, past the church, and go up the roadways to get to this trail. So we hopped back on and headed that way. This is where it starts to get complicated. I had said the horses were a handful already. Little did I know they had a lot more in store for us. Approaching the river, Courtney's little red mare went ballistic, refusing to go even one step closer to the water. It kept backing up to the tree line. I looked to my left to see Austin having his rodeo. He wasn't a stranger to it, thankfully enough. Rebel, his horse, was a half-crazy, off-track thoroughbred he repurchased four months from a kill. I wanted to help, but it wasn't easy, considering the road was iced over and I didn't feel like hitting the ground myself. Amid the mild chaos, I caught the faintest smell of rotting flesh. Incredibly odd, considering everything is frozen but that didn't occur to me until much later. I figured that smell was the reason for the horse's outburst, so we turned back and headed back to the area where the arena was. We were all a bit mad at the situation and agreed to call it a day. The plan was for the horses to stay here for the night. We three stay over at Courtney's and return for them in the morning. Simple enough, right? So we got everyone settled for the night. Water, food, and because I have trust issues, I always padlock the gate to my horse corral. Courtney's dad had come out to pick us up and we all went to our family friend's house for dinner. His name was Ellis, and he was a great cook. Over dinner, we discussed our day and our troubles at the river. Austin explained most of that story, but Ellis became unsettled when I chimed in with the detail about that nasty smell. He went on to tell me the lore about the area and exactly what had happened at the abandoned church so many years ago. Courtney and I were utterly immersed, Austin not so much. He thought it was hogwash, so he stepped out to the front porch to call his girlfriend. After being told all of this, I was very unsettled and wanted to check on my horse one last time before we headed out for the night. I asked Courtney's dad if I could borrow his truck to drive the mile down the road. Without hesitation, he tossed me the keys and said, Don't wreck it or you'll be walking back to my house. I laughed and went to walk out. Ellis nearly flipped his chair. He jumped up so fast. Young lady, you think you're going out there alone? I sheepishly replied. Well, yes sir, it's just down the road. He refused to allow it. So I threw my hat at Courtney and said, Pitter-patter, our ponies are waiting. Walking out the door, we saw Austin sitting on the porch swing, whistling a tune. And I snapped at him instead, aggressively telling him, Are you stupid? Whistling at night? You know what that invites. Frustrated, he stood up and rolled his eyes telling us, You know you're only freaking yourselves out with that stuff. It's not real. I chuckled at him and told him, You say that now until someday my silly little rocks and plants are the only thing keeping you safe from the monsters under your bed. He walked back inside with another roll of his eyes. 
Courtney took the driver's seat, so I hopped into the passenger seat of her dad's blue F-250. After dark, the temperature had dropped dramatically, making the rough dirt road an ice rink. We could go no more than five miles per hour. We didn't care too much, though. It just gave us more time to sing along to the radio. Being 16-year-old drivers, we sped up too much and got the truck sideways. Finally coming to a stop, we had slid right in front of the church in that old set of creepy woods. Dramatic, I know, but you can't make this stuff up. Laughing that we nearly wrecked the truck when Courtney's dad had joked about it just a few minutes before, we let the vehicle idle for just a minute while we gathered our composure. We were in the middle of the road, sure, but we were in the middle of nowhere surrounded by trees and a creepy church. What more could go wrong? We had the high beams on, and I'm not entirely sure what compelled me to do it. But I found my eyes wandering toward the church. Nothing was all too exciting until I could see what almost looked like a pair of red eyes. Not the bright, menacing red most people would describe. The only way I can describe it is it was almost a deep auburn color and it wasn't glowing. Just simple red eyes staring right through me. They were so high up too. I tried to rationalize. Maybe it's a mountain lion in a tree or a weird big elk. I can't see it all that well. I can't see it. My forgetful self once again forgetting my glasses. That's when I smelt it again. That terrible, awful, rotten meat smell. Uh, I stared intently trying to make anything out. I nearly launched Courtney back into her seat and told her to hurry up. I needed to make sure my baby was okay. She must have seen the same thing I did because she had lost all color in her face. She stomped on the gas, but nothing was happening. Just as I was about to tell her to stop, the truck launched forward and smacked my forehead against the dash, enough to hurt but nothing more. I gave my friend a sarcastic, ouch, followed by a well-deserved eye roll that would have put Austin to shame. We finally pull into the arena parking lot to find our horses unhurt but completely freaked out. None of them had touched their food, all drenched in sweat. They looked like they had walked out of a horror movie. I was completely uncomfortable with the situation, and I didn't want to leave them there overnight. But it was late, and not to mention I was in the middle of the woods with icy roads, and to get a trailer out there would be a nightmare. I'm not sure where I gathered the courage, but I jumped out of the truck and ran to my horse. I tried my absolute best to calm her down, kissed her, told her how sorry I was and promised to get her as soon as the sun came up. Then I took off my obsidian necklace and tied it to her ribbon that I had braided into her mane that morning. Courtney called me crazy for leaving the truck safety, but I felt awful for them staying out there. We made it back to Ellis's house, where we couldn't explain everything to him fast enough. We were angry at him for letting us go out. I then received a rather lengthy lecture about getting out of the vehicle and how bad it could have been. But it was 11pm. When Courtney's dad told us to pick them up so we could head out, we piled into the 250 and drove the 45 minutes to Courtney's house. We nearly fought over the shower, but eventually all of us got the chance to wash away the day's filth. At 12.30am, we finally went to bed. Courtney and I slept in the bed together and Austin got booted to the floor where he made his own little nest under the window. Sometime around 3.07am, I am woken up by Austin nudging me, 
Tristan, if you're going to fart like a dog, go poop outside like one. I was confused and angry for being woken up. Then I smelt it. The same smell from the river. I swear it burns the hair right from your nose. I was so tired I didn't care. I took a light swing at Austin and told him to go back to his dog bed on the floor. Right back to sleep I went. 3.32am. Tap, tap, tap. I wake up thinking to myself, this is the night I kill my brother. Tap, tap, tap. I get out of bed to find him sound asleep in his spot. That smell was still in the air. I was starting to freak out, so I woke up Courtney. She smelt the same thing when she was awake enough to comprehend what was happening. Tap, tap, tap. She heard it too. We both knew whatever had been messing with the horses was now trying to do the same to us. We both got to moving, lighting black candles and burning sage. The moment the stage was lit, the tapping had stopped, and we heard the most gut-wrenching sound. It was almost like a woman and a goat and an injured bird trying to let out a sound all at the same time. This jarred Austin awake, and he shot right up. To see us standing there, hands full of candles and sage, he angrily stood up and began yelling, This has gone too far. I don't know what type of weird stuff you're doing, but don't do it around me. He went to sleep on the couch after that. 3.50am rolls around. We finally settled down from the adrenaline rush and tried to salvage the last bit of time we had to sleep. 5am, I woke up utterly exhausted, but I rolled right out of bed to get some coffee and dressed. I walked into the living room to find Austin still passed out on the couch. I started the coffee and politely woke up my brother, then wandered back into the room to do the same for Courtney. After she had gotten dressed, curiosity got the best of us and we went outside to see if whatever was tormenting us last night left any sort of evidence. Well, it did, that's for sure. There were deer tracks all around, but not any regular deer tracks. They were massive, and they appeared to be bipedal. I grew up in this area, and I know what deer tracks look like. These, these were just wrong. When we got up closer to the window, I felt my heart drop. I couldn't entirely move or talk or think for that matter. The necklace that I had tied to the ribbon on my horse's mane was now lying in the snow under the window. Courtney did not say a word. She just picked it up and grabbed me by my arm, and we walked inside. Immediately following that, we hooked up the trailer and got back to the arena as soon as possible. The truck had not even stopped when Courtney and I flung open the doors and went to the corrals. To my complete and utter relief, my horse and Courtney's were just fine. They never ate any of their hay, but they did appear to have calmed down a bit. I could see where the end of the yellow ribbon was significantly shorter than I had left it. Even odder was the padlock. It had been picked. Not opened, just unlocked. The gate hadn't even been swung open. The whole area was riddled with those identical deer prints as well. I knew, and Courtney knew it had been the same thing from the night before. Austin had kept Rebel a few stalls down from ours because they tended to try and fight. When we checked on Austin's horse, he had a slightly more disturbing sight than we all dealt with. Rebel was still wholly shaken up, but had minor cuts covering him from head to tail. It was nothing serious, but it was off-putting. There were also dents all over the panels that hadn't been there before. 
Austin was understandably upset about this and loaded him up really quickly and we got out of there. I don't really know what happened. There's a lot of times that we go to that area with no issues. It's rural, and I understand that the woods can hide a lot of interesting creatures. But sometimes, when I listen to the stories on the Swamp Dweller show, it reminds me of this, this weird encounter. And I sometimes think it was some sort of skimwalker, wendigo, crawler, whatever you want to call it. So I've been listening for a while now to Swamp Dweller, as well as others, to see if anyone has had a similar experience. Some have experienced something vaguely similar, but not close enough. I've shared elsewhere to small local groups that were kind and understanding, unlike my family who still ridicules me for this. I'm in my mid-twenties now, and this happened at age 12, but the groups would suggest stuff like skinwalkers or Bigfoot. If that's what this was, then it was horribly mutated or deformed. This, if it was not real, was the most vivid and convincing shared hallucination ever, as two of my friends witnessed it as well. I doubt I'll ever get them to share though, as one I lost contact with a couple years later when he moved, and the other is even more traumatized by it than I am. If I even mention it, he starts to enter fight or flight mode just from the thought. Sorry about the long intro but I feel it is needed for clarity. Well, it was a warm day in the early summer just after school ended. My two friends and I were riding bikes just outside of town, kind of just exploring, when we came across a house that seemed clearly abandoned, yet still looked new. We thought briefly that maybe it wasn't actually abandoned, but after a while, we knew for sure it wasn't lived in, so we decided to check it out. It was actually very creepy to me, it was in excellent condition, but was totally empty of anything that wasn't built in. Although, there were also burnt and illicit drawings and movie cases, which my friends became preoccupied with, like it was a jigsaw puzzle. I was really weirded out with the whole deal, so I decided to go for a walk in the woods out back. Right outside was an old school silver bullet style trailer. Not sure if you'll know what I mean, but that's how I know to describe them. I opened the door and it was absolutely full of all the missing household items, as if they planned to return for it but never did. It didn't seem that old, just had some slight dust gathering. Even more uncomfortable, I walked into the woods, as nature is very calming to me and I felt I needed to chill out. But this was very creepy to me too, so I walked for less than a minute. Then, out of nowhere, I felt extremely dazed and my vision became blurry. I can't tell what's what. Everything blended together. I'm not sure why I didn't stop. I just kept walking. After a while, not sure how long, everything clears up, and I'm beside a freshly built looking barn. There seemed to be no real way for anything to get to this barn besides walking up, which confused me, as typically, a barn would need some kind of vehicle access to. So I decided to look inside, and as soon as I turned in the doorway, I'm greeted by the sight of a horse lying on its side, with this creature hunched over it. It stands on two human-like legs, except they were as big as smaller tree trunks, maybe seven or eight inches around, and its legs ended in stumps like an elephant. It was huge, towering above my dad's height of six foot six, 
and I stood there for a minute in pure terror, looking at this thing in broad daylight. Its shape was mostly human as I said, but it was hairless and had very light gray, very wrinkly, saggy skin. Its face lacked any features that a face normally has, besides two tiny black pinpricks that must have been eyes. Now I must say, at first I thought it was preying upon the horse, but I'm actually not sure what it was doing as there was no blood or injury that I saw. I wasn't able to get a really good look though before the creature strode towards me, almost casually. I, however, was finally not frozen with fear and ran back the way I came. The same feeling enveloped me, but the fear helped me keep sprinting until I made it back to the house and began screaming at my friends. They started to laugh at me, to which I replied, Whatever, watch that window, it's coming, I'm out of here. But before I could take a step, they saw it emerge from the trees, screamed, and we all ran for our bikes and booked it. For years, we didn't speak about it, and still don't. The friend that's still here will only agree with what I saw. He won't speak of it himself, and never told his family. Also, a few years after this experience, I overheard someone that my friends and I didn't talk to. They were at a higher end of the social spectrum and they were describing the same exact creature attacking their cows and carrying them off as if they were small game. Now, for the really creepy part. I google mapped the area so that I could find out if the barn was part of another property and where it actually was. Upon looking further though, it doesn't exist, and didn't then either. Right behind that house is enough of a tree line to block the view, but there's a neighborhood right behind those trees that I had been to before that experience. To end, believe it or not, hallucination or not, this happened to us. It felt as real as death, and I only wish to see if anyone else has seen or felt anything like this. Thank you all for your time and consideration. This happened fairly recently. There is a conservation area that I used to like to walk in regularly. It's beside a golf course near an ordinary subdivision just off a busy road. It's popular with dog walkers and photographers. The conservation area is fairly well maintained and alerts its users that there are hidden cameras. My point in bringing up all of this is to say that by all accounts this is a very safe, vanilla, urban wooded area in a populated area. One thing about me is that I like isolation to recharge. I dislike crowded trails and, by convention, go in off-peak hours. Or when the weather is unpleasant. Not dangerous, just unpleasant. Too cold, lightly raining, foggy, etc. I stay safe, but I like there to be as few people around as possible. In a city, in daylight, I don't feel like I'm taking any risk doing this. The first encounter, well... There was one day I went around 4pm or so on a frigid, rainy Monday in November. On days like that, there are maybe only one or two dog walkers, but today, there was not a single car in the parking lot except for a dirty blue pickup truck with a man sitting in it. I noticed that he was looking at me, but that didn't really bother me. I was just happy to see the trail was empty. On this particular day, I went to the area to practice my navigation skills. I was learning how to use a compass at the time and it's good to practice that skill in an area you won't get lost in. So I decided to go off trail to a big pine plantation. 
which is pretty big. It's big, open, and has a large area of mature pine trees. If you're not familiar, definitely Google it. It's not a hiking area, or really that interesting in any way, but it's definitely off trail. You wouldn't get there unless you really wanted to get there is what I'm saying. When I picked my first landmark in sight using my compass, and I'm pacing toward it, I find myself about halfway there when I hear rustling through the bushes. I turn around to see the man from the dirty blue pickup truck there, entering the pine plantation. This man is in his mid-fifties. He's a little pudgy, wearing a baggy, beige cardigan and blue slacks. I feel pretty alert at this point, but this feels out of place somehow. I take note of it but pretend to keep walking around with my compass, because I don't want to seem weird. I look at him side-eyed. He pretends to ignore me. I am getting really bad gut feelings about this whole situation. For some reason at this point, I feel like he is following me, but I have had an anxiety disorder my whole life, so I try not to freak out for no reason. And, of course, I don't want to ruin my relaxation time. Okay, so I'm calming down. No big deal. So, I pivot to see if he's following me, just 180 degrees and walk toward the trail again. He's there, following me not too far behind. I walk through the bushes, onto the trail, and he's still following me. At this point I was freaked out. The pine plantation entrance is only about 50 feet on the trail, so this guy would have to walk 50 feet, enter the pine plantation, then decide that that was it for the day? Bad odds. Definitely is following me. I quickly exit the trail, and when I'm leaving the parking lot I see that he's still staring at me. I take the long way home. The experience freaks me out and I only visit the area once before the second encounter. The second encounter was sometime in January. This time I went to go bird watching. A week prior I had seen an owl in the same pine plantation. I was practicing navigation again and I wanted to see it. I had seen it about an hour before sundown, so I figured that there was definitely a chance that I could still see it and it was a good time to go into the area. I checked the parking lot and there was no blue pickup truck, but there were two other cars with men. One was a red sedan with heavily tinted windows, and it looked like the other one was empty. So I go on the trail again. Today is muddy, wet, and cold. The area should be totally empty. Good. Unfortunately, it wasn't. So about 20 feet on the trail I hear footsteps behind me. But of course it's not a crime and I'll lose them soon when I go to the pine plantation. I'm sure you know where this is going. When I walk on the pine plantation there is that same rustling of the bushes from before and when I turn around I see the same man. I feel a wave of terror and dread overcome me, alone in a muddy forest with a possible stalker. But it's still so calm and it feels so mundane. To confirm my fears I walk over to the area where I saw the owl last week and pause to look for it. Who do I see run next to me at the same time? It's the freaking guy from before. I am terrified at this point and every part of me is screaming to run so I walk as fast as I can to the trail again. I pass some other random guy in the same pine plantation and smile at him and just totally on autopilot. He smiles back. It wasn't until I was in the parking lot that I get freaked out because there was a second person in the same pine plantation. Could they have been connected somehow? I stop briefly in the parking lot and take out a small notepad to quickly write down the license plate of the two cars. 
This gives the original man time to catch up to me in the parking lot. I am booking it out on foot out of the parking lot and he yells towards me, Can I give you a ride? And I just shake my head and keep walking. As I walk away, he begins to follow me in his car. He waits at the intersection to see which direction I'm going in, and I decide to walk in a busy park to lose him. He pulls into a nearby hidden driveway and stares at me, and takes out his phone and presumably takes a picture of me. He notes what direction I'm walking in, and does a U-turn and drives the other way. I of course took the long way home, filled out a police report, and the police opened up an investigation. I have not gone back to that conservation area since, and also I've lost my solidarity and love for the woods. This experience has definitely left me with an ongoing nervousness about being alone. Doubly more, because I do not know who the second guy is. I walked by him so quickly, I didn't really get much more than that he was mid-50s, had glasses, and was bald. The police unfortunately told me there's nothing they can really do at this point, so the best I can do is stay vigilant and try to not let it freak me out so much. Unfortunately, this has totally ruined my love for going out into the wilderness alone. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true horror stories from the deep woods. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you enjoyed tonight's episode, be sure to hit that like button as it helps me add a ton. If you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please give this a 5-star rating over there as it helps me grow there as well. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode, as I upload them nearly every single day and all things natural and supernatural. If you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium but still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, and just about everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you'd like to support the swamp outside of all that, maybe check me out on Twitch. I stream two to three times every single week. I play horror games, survival games, and all kinds of cool stuff. You can find a link to follow me in the description. You can also check out the merch store. I've got t-shirts, hoodies, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool swamp threads. Don't forget to join me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode.